Now, uh, today we're going to have three readers, and uh, I'm going to read a story called The Attack of the Giant Ants. It's a new story I just wrote. It's supposed to be in a magazine, a webzine called Motherboard. It hasn't come out yet, but uh, maybe it will. And uh, then Richard Cadry's going to read us, uh, Richard Cadry of the, the Master of Hell, he's going to read us uh, some short shorts. And then John Shirley is going to read us the freakiest and most revolting story you ever heard in your life. <laughs> and then we'll see that into the streets and take prisoners. Dude, who are you? I'm Rudy, Rudy Rucker. Rude, rude boy Rockwell. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. The Attack of the Giant Ants. Is the volume loud enough? Is that good? Everybody good? Okay. We're good. The first victims are found before dawn at a corner store in the Mission District of San Francisco. A delivery man phones in the report, two men dead inside the shop. Officers Belmont and Bosco arrive on the scene. Bosco, young, stocky, loud. Belmont, thin and weathered. The air is foggy, the sky dim gray. The store's register is untouched, but the shelves have been clumsily looted. Broken bottles and scattered snack food, blood and wine cover the floor. The front window is smashed in. The proprietor's abdomen has been ripped open. The other man, where the hell's his head, asks Bosco, his voice hiding, rising. Belmont finds the head on the curb outside, the neck very jagged. A stray dog is licking it, maybe wanting to drag the head into an alley. Belmont puts the head on the shop's counter. Inspector Ben Coyo arrives with the crime scene text. They photograph, measure, and discuss, not touching the corpses quite yet. Coyo observes that most of the snack packages on the floor are sweets. The shop's ice cream cooler has been knocked onto its side, fully cleaned out. Munchies, says Coyo. He's a comfortable man with a stubbled chin, easy in his frame. He homes in on a segmented whip-like stalk in the dead proprietor's hand. From a plant? See that gel oozing from its broken end, puts in Bosco? Maybe it's like a, a trippy South American vine. A drug deal. Lick the stub, Inspector. Take some home to your wife. She's gone, says Quayo. She left me. He walks outside with one of the texts. Blood marks and wine stains on the sidewalk, but not in the shape of human feet. The perps could have been in costume, theorizes Bosco, peering out the broken window. Special freakazoid footgear for a cult. The boy's a fount of wisdom, says Inspector Quayo. Don't know why I even show up. So what we're going to do now, Bosco, is you stay in there and keep an eye on this place. The rest of us take the corpses to the morgue and run that stalk thing over to the lab. We'll stretch some crime scene tape across the sidewalk before we go, and you run that video cam on your chest in case something happens. Happens? Bosco is uneasy. You should be calling in more guys, Inspector. Back up. Already on the way, says Quayo. Meanwhile, can someone bag that freaking pinata, the stock boy's head? I'm the one who has to show it to his wife. Now Bosco is alone in the shop. He dabs at a smear of stalk gel on the floor, sniffs it, wrinkles his nose. The sun's coming up. The fog is a faint shade of gold. The street is empty. In the distance, thin sirens wail. Bosco hears a scraping, a thudding, a hoarse twitter. Very close. 
He takes a step towards the smashed window, his expression a mixture of horror and disbelief. He begins to scream, cut. Giant ants, Ben Quayo is saying. He's in his office talking to Rupa Banerjee, an attractive young entomologist from UC Berkeley. She showed up as soon as the story broke. The first encounter was at 20th and Guerrero, Quayo continues. Then they made their way to Dolores Park, just a few blocks. We've got dozens of witnesses. They killed seven people. Do you have video? asks Rupa. From Sergeant Bosco, yes, said Quayo. Pauses. Our man. We lost him too. He runs the images on his screen, jerky, crooked shapes, a flattened insect head so large it's hard to see, a faceted eye, a waving feeler, and then a curving mandible's jagged edge, frenzied chirping and a wheezy roar. The viewpoint shifts wildly, the image goes dark. The ants killed the next batch of people at a bakery on Dolores Street, and then the ants disappeared. These have got to be the Stygian ants, said Rupa Banerjee. What a find. From the deep Monterey shale. My research group has been studying fragments of them in the fracker's waste. So far, the new species has been hypothetical. How do we exterminate them, asked Quayo. Flamethrowers should handle the smaller ones, says Banerjee. But we need to take one of these ants alive, Ben. It's not an opportunity to be missed. For science, Rupa waves that off for money, to survive in the oil shale, thousands of feet below the surface. They'll have made remarkable adaptations. My group has found a new material in the shell fragments we've seen, laminar chitons, incredibly strong and extensile. I say these ants are worth billions. Let's lure one out and trap it with a net. Who's the lure, says Ben Quayo. You? I can do it, says Rupa, lifting her chin. I'm an expert on the languages of the ants. I can imitate their gestures and their calls, stridulation and drumming. She widens her mouth and makes a grainy sound in the back of her throat, now and then clapping her cupped hands. <laughs> You're quite a package, says Ben, admiring her. I'll wear my special suit, adds Rupa. I brought it along, my ant costume. Rupa stands at the edge of Dolores Park wearing a red full-body ant suit with a pair of fake extra legs dangling from her midriff. She has a dealy bopper headband with bouncing antennae. Across the street are the wrecked remains of the bakery cafe where the ants attacked. House coffee shop. Pathetic scraps of pastry litter the ground. National Guard troops stand in the street, cradling a dozen flamethrowers. A crane dangles an immense wire net. Rupa's fellow entomologist, Wilbur Schote, is on the scene. <laughs> An older man with fleshy features, wearing gray chinos and a tweed coat, rumpled and professorial. He's trucking back and forth across the park's glassy, grassy slope, knees bent, nostrils flared, snuffling at the ground. Here, calls Schote. He's pointing at a tiny hole beside the playground. Formic acid, pheromones, butane. He's nuts, says Ben Quico at Rupa's side. That's a ground squirrel hole. We, we believe the Stygian ants can change in size, says Rupa. Their laminar chitin slides over itself like a stack of plates. Rupa kneels beside the little hole with a great wire net dangling overhead. The guardsmen stand in a cordon around her, flamethrowers at the ready. 
Rupa leans closer to the hole, her mouth wide open. She's making these scritchy chirps. Ben Quayo can't take his eyes off her. A little ant appears at the lip of the hole, waving its tiny feelers. Rupa waggles her tongue, bobs her dealy boppers, redoubles her chirps. The ant picks its way closer, growing larger with each step. It's the size of a rat, a cat, a dog, a cow, a car, a locomotive, a dinosaur, a jumbo jet. It gives off a whiff of ether along with a wild primordial tang. A female worker, says Wilbur Schote, tapping the side of his nose. Rupa is standing resplendent in her red ant garb, deeply chirping, her head thrown back, snaking her arms like a temple dancer. The ant responds, rubbing her enormous leg against the ridges on her glistening shell, making an upbeat sound like the squeak of a violin. Perhaps she likes Rupa. The net falls too late. It's the size of a circus tent, but not big enough to cover the ant. With a fretful milling of her legs, the ant sends the net flying. Rupa is backing away, gamely chirping her ant songs. But Nquayo runs to her. With a motion too fast to see, the ant snags Rupa's garb with a hooked foot. She draws the captive woman toward her mouth. Quayo wildly fires his pistol's full clip into the ant's underside to no effect. The bullets ricochet off and buzz through the air. The guardsmen have raised their weapon, but Quayo yells at them to wait. The chances of them harming Rupa are too great. In any case, the colossal ant isn't biting the beguiling entomology professor. Far from it. She's raising Rupa upon high, seating the woman on her head. The ant drums her gaster against the ground, saws her legs, and makes a crackling hiss. She's still growing, casting a shadow across Quayo and the guardsmen. Called forth by the ant's drumming, a second ant emerges from the hole and rapidly swells to the same gargantuan size. The second ant has a plumper, smoother rear segment, and she carries herself with a regal air. She and Rupa's ant chirp to each other and rub it antennae. The queen, says Wilbur Schote. The troops play their flamethrowers across the redwood legs of the monster ants to little effect. Mildly irritated, all but ignoring the flames, the ants raise their heads, sampling the air, and now they head off toward the city, rocking like unsteady titans, surprisingly light on their feet. They step across Dolores Street and clamber onto the roofs of the buildings, spurning the pocky human pathways that lie between. They proceed across Union Square and the financial district, their legs churning like giant machinery, like drill rigs, like rocket gantries, like monstrous dockside cranes. Sirens wail, police cars and fire trucks are broadcasting warnings to the surging crowds of screaming pedestrians. Ants! 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 Ben Quayo's first instinct is to speed after the leviathans. But first he has to wrap up the situation in the park. More ants are seething from the hole beside the playground. Lesson learned, the guardsmen pour torrents of flame onto the latecomers and the ants are exploding, bursting like popcorn kernels going up in little puffs of flame. In two minutes, this phase of the battle is over. The ants are a heap of shattered shells. The guardsmen tear at the ground, feeding blasts of fire into the nest's branching crannies. Think we got them all, Ben Quayo hurriedly asks Professor Schote. That nest runs deep, says Schote, kneeling down to sweep ant fragments into a vial. Rupa told you that we're calling them Stygian ants, driven from the deep shale by the frackers. Let's hope this is the only colony that surfaces. What about those two who got away, asked Quayo. 
Why didn't the flames hurt them? It's the laminar chitin, says Choate. It gets stronger when it's opened up. You'll need something more intense to explode the big ones. I just hope that Rupa... Quayo jump, jumps into his car and tears off in pursuit of the worker and the queen. The ants are following the embarcadero towards the sea. Rupa remains secure upon her ant's head, wedged into a nook at the base of an antenna, gripping an overgrown bristle with both hands. She's laughing beyond fear, wholly in the moment, ecstatic over her wondrous ride. The ants reach the Golden Gate Bridge and saunter onto it, carelessly scattering their cars. Rupa's ant is in the lead, with the Stygian ant queen close behind. Helicopters with machine guns and bazookas buzz like angry hornets, firing at will. The pilots in a panic, heedless of Rupa's safety, careless of the cars. Rupa remains unscathed in her crevice by the ant's antenna. The bullets and rockets rattle off the giant ant's impermeable shells. Alert to every detail, Rupa senses a different threat. She chirps a warning to her ant, directing her song at the sensitive surface of the antenna's base, speaking the creature's language. The ant flattens her body, honkering down on the bridge's pavement. Meanwhile, the proud ant queen strikes a pose, rearing up to her full height, resting her legs upon a cable in a tower. She goggles at the helicopters with her compound infrared rise, eyes, lashes out at them with her clawed legs. The Stygian ant queen has failed to notice or to understand the new tactic that the frantic humans are about to launch. Moving like speeded up cartoons, the defenders are clamping electoral conduits to the San Francisco end of the bridge cables. The city falls still as the full electrical power of the grid is channeled into the cables. The ant queen takes on the look of an archaic insect god, wreathed with a coruscating halo of sparks. For a moment, she sustains herself, glorying at the influx of energy, but now a spot in her shell gives way. Her vast, gassy body explodes like a hydrogen dirigible, a dark skeleton amid billows of flame. In this moment, Rupa's ant seems to vanish or to dwindle away, leaving Rupa unharmed upon the bridge, cowering behind a car for a shelter from the fireball, and then all is calm. A month later, Ben and Rupa are on a date, a plush, dimly lit restaurant near the ferry building, a romantic mood. They're starting on dessert. Whatever happened to your aunt, do you think, says Ben, laying down his fork. She's my pet, says Rupa with a smile. She got tiny, and I hid her. <laughs> ben twitches in surprise. Where is she now? The aunt is here, says Rupa, very slowly and distinctly. Her name is Cynthia. <laughs> she eats a lot. <laughs> she opens her purse and brings out a little golden box with a crystal lid, pops open the lid and sets the ant upon the table, a faint whiff of, ether, whiff of ether. The ant is large, relatively speaking, perhaps the size of a cockroach. Ben scoots back his chair. He's on the point of jumping to his feet. Oh, relax, says Rupa. All that Cynthia wants is the rest of your dessert. Swelling to the size of a mouse, the ant marches across the table and buries her head in Ben's tiramisu. <laughs> but everything's going to be fine, says Rupa. Cynthia and her sister didn't understand how to act, but I've been teaching her. You stick with us and we'll do great things. Cynthia used to be a worker, but now she's a queen. <laughs>